What's going on, Badger Nation? Welcome to the PPC Den Podcast, where for over 240 episodes, we've been your home for all things Amazon advertising tips, tricks, strategies to make your Amazon advertising a little bit easier and a little bit more profitable. Uh, in the links in the description, we have a fantastic resource where we've uh, organized a lot of our episodes into categories. So you can go and see if you want our SEO episodes, if you want our bidding episodes, if you want your goal setting episodes, if you're a little bit more on the beginning or advanced journey of your Amazon advertising, we've organized a lot of that information for you into a Google sheet. I like it. Go download it. Uh, it's free. So check that out. Another thing I wanted to mention on this episode, we have my dear friend, co-worker, chief technology officer uh, of an Amazon advertising tool, AdBadger. I don't know if you've heard of it, um, but what they do there, what we do there, um, we do a lot with Amazon advertising technology. So I wanted to do an episode talking about what Amazon marketers should be thinking of when it comes to the data that we use, the decisions that we make. We talk about um, what the most popular keyword data type is. Uh, we talk about thoughts from a technical perspective of why do we think there's a 48-hour conversion delay inside Amazon advertising uh, and how to think about that. We even touch on some thoughts about AI um, in there as well. So have a good one. Uh, I've enjoyed this episode and I'll see you inside the Badger Den. I've launched campaigns and picked keywords I've got my bits set placements too now bad mistakes Once a month, the first Friday of every month, you can find me at lunch with this man, Nick Eisberg, Ad Badger's Chief Technology Officer. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. You have this diagram over your shoulder, um, and this diagram over your shoulder uh, has a U C T G D S B Y. What are what what do you have behind you? a few greek letters too so this is a this is a handmade quilt by my mother representing the standard model of particle physics as we knew it at the time T tell us one thing about the standard model of particle physics standard model is similar to what the periodic table of elements is to chemists this is to particle physicists it tells us the basic constituents of what make up matter and everything in the universe. What would you say is more difficult, uh, Amazon advertising technology or particle physics? Ooh, that's a close one. 
Uh, I'll have to give it to the physicists, but Amazon does make it a challenge for us. That is for sure. I want to say Amazon marketing might be more frustrating. Uh, Oh, definitely. This is very rewarding. (laughs) Right. Um, So I wanted to do an episode today uh, where I think that as Amazon marketers, there's a lot of technology that we all use. Uh, Everyone uses most likely many tools to provide everything they can for their campaigns to make them as big and as profitable and as streamlined as possible. Um, so whether it be a product performance market tracker or an Amazon ads optimization software or some kind of text analysis so you can compare your product listing versus competitors, there's a, there's a, or even Amazon's first party tools as they become more and more numerous. Uh, there's a robust ecosystem of technology and I think it's valuable for Amazon marketers to better understand what it's like um, being neck deep in technology. And I think that as Ad Badger CTO, I thought I thought you have a unique perspective on a lot of this stuff. So I wanted to just jump right into the deep end here. Uh, Ad Badger optimizes like 1.3 million bids a day. Um, every single day. Uh, and part of this is because I think it's so valuable to make these like micro changes to bids and like watch what it does and then continue to make these micro changes as opposed to these big sweeping changes. So I'd love these little micro adjustments. When I first thought of it, I was like, when I first thought of it, I was like, oh yeah, like that's the perfect way to optimize bids, like little tiny one to five to maybe 8% changes each day to like really zero in on what the perfect bid should be and like change it a little bit, get more data, change it a little bit more every single day. Had I known what that would do to our server bill, optimizing that many bids a day, maybe I would have gone with a weekly optimization, but here we are. (laughs) Here we are doing daily optimizations. So I want to ask the question, like, what is it even like to, like, what is on your mind optimizing that many bids a day? It's crazy, isn't it? Is it crazy? It's it's pretty nuts. Yeah. Uh, Foremost, I think about efficiency. I think about time. I think about how can we perform all of these operations in a reasonable amount of time so we're not leaving stale bids sitting for too long. We have many times iterated our server infrastructure to support specifically this challenge. It's a lot of very small mathematical calculations that we have We have servers and, and GPUs and stuff that will help us make the math happen. Uh, but then getting it to Amazon, there's that's there, there's still a step that uh, sometimes can throw us. Amazon is uh, not always around to accept these bid changes, and so. What do you mean they're not always around? Oh, you know they will uh, on occasion have downtime. Maybe their servers aren't uh, even feeding us the most accurate data or the most up to date data. They go through uh, you know periods of of inaccuracy themselves. So we could end up with a garbage in garbage out situation. And you know, we have, we have our ways of, of mitigating those kinds of situations. Hmm. But the micro, the micro adjustments certainly help in that we don't need to rely on, like you said, these big sweeping changes day over day. Uh, and you know, if we're missing perhaps a day or two of data, those micro adjustments will still nudge things in the correct direction. Mm-hmm. Is that like, uh, you know, I think about like optimizing bids using a spreadsheet, right? You know, you download it, you know, for, for one account, you download it, you, you know, create an extra column, 
you do your calculation, you add another column with like your new bid. And, you know, you might have a spreadsheet of like, you know, for one account, maybe it's 5,000 rows. Uh, and then you go and you upload it. Uh, and that's just for one campaign, you know, 5,000 keywords. We're talking about 1.3. Like, I mean, what's the size of a spreadsheet? One megabyte? Like, you know, is in terms of like terabytes, like what actually is it that's being sent over? Well, I mean, ultimately just a number. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're dealing with data on the order of hundreds of gigabytes, close to terabytes uh, or terabyte per day. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of data flowing in and out. Hmm. And yeah, to do all of that manually with a spreadsheet, I mean, it can be done. If you have a small account, you know, might not be too bad to do. You do have to kind of figure out your own algorithm and invent your own math to make things come out the way you want. Uh, but luckily, we've already solved that. Yeah. We have a system that works very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing I'm super proud of, like to make the leap into software, there were a lot of things that I wanted to do that I knew were like really good bid techniques, but I couldn't figure out a way to do it in a spreadsheet. So like one thing that I've, that I always wanted to do, like this is like 2017, 2018, when I first started like writing the algorithm, I wanted to be able to give a keyword, a new bid based off several time periods. So like, what is it doing in the last seven days and past 14 days, 30 days, 60 days, as opposed to just one time period. So like, is it trending upwards? Is it trending downwards? Like what does it only have order 60 days ago? And in the last 30 days, it looks like it's, it's a complete flop, but like maybe some conditions changed. So one thing I'm, I, I really love, like just to give sort of uh, the perspective is like, I, I loved making that leap. And this is why I love software so much um, is because like, I was able to take that leap of like, Hey, what if we set a bid based off what it, what the performance was in the last 14 versus 60 and 30 and all these different time frames. And so I absolutely love that part of it. Um, so yeah, th- this is part of the reason why I, I started iPatcher. So it's really cool. So like, needless to say, I'm like proud of the algorithm. It's, it's something that we've worked on and we continue to update, continue to this day. Um, and I really enjoy it. And I'd like to give the listener a, qu- a challenge here, dear listener. So think about this question. Of those 1.3 million bids that we optimize every day, what do you think the biggest category or bucket, if you think of it, what do you think the biggest type bucket of keyword there is? And what I mean by this is like, do you think it's keywords with, you know, orders over five every month? So like it gets five orders or more. Is it 10 orders or more? Uh, Is it 20 orders or more for a single keyword? Is it zero orders? in the last month. Think about it. If you were to look at your campaigns and you were just to look at every single keyword, let's say you have 5,000 keywords in your account, what percentage of them do you think would have zero orders, one order, two order, three order, five orders or more? So now that you've thought about it, Nick, what is the, because we have data on this, what is the overwhelming most common type of performance for a keyword? No orders. No orders. Or, or no data at all. Right. These are fresh, fresh keywords. Yes. So over the years, this has been perhaps the most frustrating part. So like, I think most people are familiar with like the 80-20 rule that 80% of your sales are going to come from 20% of your keywords. 
Pareto principle. And this gets even, this gets amplified because then you could say 90% of your sales comes from 10% of your keywords. You could say 95% of your sales come from 5% of your keywords and so on and so forth. You could say, uh, so like it, it generally gets more and more extreme, but generally 20% of your keywords are going to generate 80% of your sales, which means 80% of your keywords are going to generate very few percentage of your sales. So most keywords are in this very low data state. You know, people are launching campaigns, they're creating campaigns, they're adding keywords, they're like turning off campaigns and then reworking it and launching a new campaign, launching products. Most keywords, the overwhelming majority of them are in a constant state of waiting to get data. And you actually differentiate it. And not only is it no orders, but it's also like no data or like low data, like very few clicks without orders. So this creates a lot of unique challenges. Um, and your background is multi-disciplined. Like you have your particle physics diagram behind you. Um, you studied music, you studied mathematics, uh, and you studied computer engineering. Uh, so I have to imagine, I mean, even before we get to the technical side, I have to imagine personally, it's like kind of cool to be able to chew on this unique problem where you have so much data and a lot of data where it's like low statistical significance. So like, what do you, how do you think about from the technical mathematical perspective? Cause I mean, Amazon marketers have their own thoughts and views of what to do with things without orders, but like from your mathematical perspective, like how do you think about that problem? The problem of no orders. I mean, it's an interesting one and it's one that does come up in mathematics quite often. Uh, you know, how do you make a deterministic, or how do you come to a deterministic result based on very little input? Uh, and in this case, you know, low, low order data, low click data, low ads data. Um, typically, what one would do is introduce some sort of stochastic method. So that's just a really fancy way of saying a little bit of randomness. So we kind of guess doing doing something like that. It, ha it has pros and cons, the pro being you know, if you don't really know how this keyword could perform, assuming it's, you know, it's going to be in your, you know, 20% of really, really good keywords, where do you start? Where do you start bidding? Uh, you know, without knowledge of competitor landscape or, you know, historical uh, importance, you kind of just have to make a really good guess and follow that good guess up with now more data-driven guesses. So the idea being, you know, you bid a little bit higher, maybe you get a hit. Uh, if it's in a conversion rate, you know, zone that you really like, you keep going with it and you run it. You tease it out until you enter into what I would call this like eigenstate. Basically, this, this plateau of like this keyword is doing as well as it can with the performance data we're seeing and the bid we're setting it to. And over time, it should just chill there. It should be happy generating sales, being a good keyword. The downside to sort of the stochastic method is you might have to guess for a while. You might not get it right the first time. You might have to wait days, weeks. Uh, and then, you know, still if data doesn't roll in, you might start to ask the question, well, is, is this even a good keyword or is this even a good you know, product target? So, but at the end of it, it all will come down to, for us anyway, the ad badger, the efficiency. Whatever we do, we want to make it quick. We want to be able to do these computations, these calculations very fast because today it's 1.3 million, but you know, next year we could be seeing double that. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a very fun challenge. Yeah. I think Amazon PPCers are all doing their own type of stochastic 
bidding when they launch a campaign. They're like, I don't know, what should you start this bid at? Uh, the answer is, you know, unknown. There's no way you can possibly know. I think some people have their heuristics that they like to follow. You know, maybe they just start everything new at 20 cents. Uh, maybe they start everything new at a dollar. Maybe they start everything new at $3. And then, you know, they're, they're judging that from other areas in their campaigns. But most of their keywords are actually going to be low data. Um, yeah. So it's like, do you base it off of the average where it's weighted very heavily versus your best keywords? Uh, that was a big distinction that we made in AdBadger's algorithm early on, which was so many people look at their campaigns at a, a at an account level. They look at the account level ACoS. They're like, okay, my account level ACoS is 50%. That's too high or that's just right. They start there and sometimes people end there. They view it as a good or bad from there. But really what is contributing to that overall account ACoS? Well, it's actually like the ACoS of every campaign, the performance of every keyword inside every campaign, the performance of research term at every campaign. Um, so one thing that I think is really valuable is to, and I, I mean, I, it's been the same way for years and years, which I think it works well, is we don't let the very best 20% of keywords only be your performance. So like you don't want to end up with this like very tiny account with only keywords that convert super well. Like you need to get out there and do research. You need to go out there and find new keywords. So like that's where we have set up a lot of, there's a lot of thought around what to do with low click data uh, and no click data uh, that we have a lot of fun with. So yeah, I think that's really interesting. And I think in general, I, I don't think Amazon PPCers need to break their brain too much because really it's the feedback loop. It's like, okay, I have a new keyword. Let me start at a dollar. Is that too much or too little? You know, did I get too many clicks that didn't have an order? Let me lower it. Did I not get enough clicks? Let me increase it. And it's just that sort of decision making that um, is the is what a good marketer does. There was a study done by Wordstream like years and years ago, and they said like they analyzed like their Google Ads tool and they analyzed tons and tons of tons of accounts. And they basically determined like the people that hit their goals more frequently are the people that have more frequent activity. So like if you have a hundred actions a day versus someone who has a similar size account of like one action a day on average, generally it doesn't even matter like how good you are at PPC. It's just like you, you wake up, you look at it. Is it good or bad? Do you want more of it or less of it? And like, that's the question that any marketer should be asking. Like, did I get results? Do I do more of it? Did I not get results? Do I do less of it? Um, so yeah, I'm really proud of, uh, the algorithm that we have continuing to tweak it. Mm, let's get into some Amazon questions, general Amazon questions. Sure. So what are the most frustrating things about being an Amazon paid traffic marketer is this dreaded 48 hour data delay. The data delay happens so much. Like today we're recording this on August 10th. A lot of people might go to their account and look at it month to date and their performance will be way worse than it was in July. Reason being, you have two, maybe three days of data where cost has accrued. Like I have clicks for yesterday, but my orders yesterday are like a fifth of what they normally are. Uh, and then if I check it again in a week, the data for August 9th will go up. What is the deal? Like, why do you think that... Amazon, a company seemingly with unlimited resources, like why can't we just know in the advertising console when orders happen with a caveat that 
in other areas of Amazon, like Seller Central, I have a, like a, a live stream of every order happening. So like they know when an order happens, right? Because like it needs to leave the shipment, like it, it needs to get shipped, start the shipping process. But in the advertising console specifically, orders are delayed. What is your technical yes. take on this? I think it's a What's your hot take? My hot take, I, I think a couple of things. Uh, I know that Amazon's attribution window plays a factor. So as you mentioned, like if I wanna do month over month analysis and it's the 10th of August today, uh, July is not finished. Mm-hmm. There's still a 30 day attribution window from the end of July that will extend to the end of this month that orders could come in, sales could go up, You know, your cost might be adjusted. So yeah, we can't really even talk about July in, with any certainty until August has passed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's true for sponsored products. For sponsored brands and display, it's only a two-week attribution window maximum. So we could start analyzing that performance by mid-August. 48-hour delay, though, Amazon deals with a lot of data. Mm-hmm. Amazon has so much information about orders, advertisers. I mean, they're a huge player. And we've seen this challenge uh, on a slightly smaller scale with social media. So it's the same question of, Uh, How do I know how many likes my Instagram post gets? How do I know how many retweets or re-Xs now? I'm not Mm -hmm. sure what we call those. Uh, Did did, did my message get? These are real-time, like users in real-time, clicking like, clicking retweet, clicking these buttons, making the view count go up. And that's a lot of data. And it comes from all over the world. So there is a technical challenge which is to say, you know, there is going to be one database somewhere that holds all the information, like the, the ultimate view count of a post, let's say. Well, all of these distributed servers will have to aggregate data locally. And when I say locally, I mean geographically locally. So when I go onto a service like this, when I go onto Amazon and I start purchasing something, there is a server, you know, geographically somewhere near where I'm at that differs from, say, someone on the East Coast or in the West Coast. And all of those eventually have to get synced up together so Amazon can say, this is what you spent. This is how much you earned. And that does take time. And it's a, I mean, it's a huge data science problem to, to have to solve this. It's, it's still an ongoing uh, you know, need and issue with Amazon and, and other services, other spaces. But Amazon won't leave us in the lurch for too long. So they might have to do some fancy math to get all their server data together at one point in time. But we have also noticed with our system, so we only interact with advertising data through the API that Amazon gives us. And we have noticed discrepancies going into Ad Console, looking at what Amazon shows you is happening versus if I made the same request via their API, they say something different happens. And they are more willing, this is what we've discovered, they are more willing on Ad Console to overestimate your sales overestimate your clicks and impressions and underestimate your cost. Therefore, artificially deflating your A costs and having performance seem perhaps better. Uh, And then all of that gets updated under the guise of the attribution window. So they'll say, well, this data is not final yet, so I might as well present you with the best looking data, but you access it via the API, well, we'll just give you whatever we have at that point. And it's usually, it looks less performant. Mm-hmm. So, so that's something very interesting. Uh, we solved that challenge at Ad Badger by syncing all the data every day, multiple times per day, many days at a time. So we're constantly just refreshing, as I said, the 
for sponsored products, it's a 30-day attribution window. So we're just syncing those 30 days over and over and over again. So we always have at least the freshest data that Amazon is going to provide us. You know, it's interesting. I think it takes people a long time to realize that depending on what report you're looking at and where you're looking at it, it will give you different numbers for the same thing. Um, So Amazon has at the search query performance dashboard uh, or search query report inside brand analytics inside Seller Central. And that'll tell you that you have X number of impressions for a term, both organic and paid. And then you go over and look at your advertising data and the numbers are like way off. I, I think sometimes people look at the advertising console inside Amazon and think that is the ultimate source of truth because like, why isn't it? Of course it is. I actually don't think many people know that. Uh, I've seen Amazon talk about this. Like they take an API first approach, uh, which actually the data in the API is like, I'll say like more raw, like it, it, it's like a little bit fresher than actually the data in the ad console, yes, um, true. which I think is really interesting. Uh, like there'd be new features that come out API first only like uh, sponsored products, rest of search. Uh, it's available in the API, but not inside advertising console yet. So like there's, yeah. there, and, and that's true with a lot of little metrics They come out in the API first, you're able to like manipulate data with, you know, like if you were to go change there, there's stuff like you can pause a negative keyword in the yeah. API and then unpause it in the API, but pausing a negative keyword doesn't even exist inside the ad console. So I actually think that um, it's really interesting where there's an API first approach. Like one interesting thing, we have access to 30 day sponsored product attribution windows, uh, which, you know, the benefit, and for anyone who doesn't know, attribution window, if somebody clicks on your ad on August 1st and ends up buying on August 21st, you would want to know like what keyword led to that sale. So what actually happens is like that order that happens on August 21st goes back in time to August 1st. And then August 1st just earned another order, even though it's like, you know, August 21st when it happened. Like we have access to 30 day attribution data, which makes a better decision making when it comes to your ads. Uh, But in the ad console, it's only a 14 day attribution window. Uh, what, why, I I guess it's just easier for them to do that way. I I don't know, but yeah, sponsored brand sponsored display only has 14 day data. So I just, I just think it's like an interesting thing for technology that like, when you look at your advertising data, you really have to sprinkle many grains of salt on it. I was like, is there a data delay? Is there attribution window? Like, am I within the 48 or 72 hour order delay, uh, where like clicks, impressions, orders, a cost are all going to be slightly inaccurate. You know, we talk a lot about this as marketers where it's like, Hey, don't look at data week to date. Uh, or like, so today's Thursday, don't look at data from Sunday to Thursday because it's going to be way off. Um, so it, it created like interesting problems for us where it's like, what do we do with data? Well, we don't make negative keyword decisions that involve the last 72 hours. We don't make bidding decisions that involve the last 72 hours. So like all of I know our stuff incorporates that data delay to ensure that we're not, you know, imagine a scenario where like you launch a new campaign, it gets lots of data. And within, you know, two days you have search terms that say like, oh, this earned 30 clicks without an order because conversion data is delayed. So you like 
you wouldn't want that to automatically turn to a negative. So yeah, we do a lot of uh, processing and consideration for this data delay. Yes. Oh, yes, we do. Yeah, I mean, that would be especially a bad situation if we were using, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we, we get the more pessimistic looking data via the API. Ad console will present the, the happy story. And so if we were making automated decisions based on yeah, the last 72 hours or 48 hours of data that is more pessimistic than it should be, yeah, all, all your stuff's going to start getting negated and tank, and that's not good. You know, on the topic of data freshness, uh, anyone who's done Amazon advertising consistently, you log in sometimes. And there, one of my favorite messages over the last few months was, we're experiencing a temporary issue in our sponsored display and sponsored brands views reporting between May 3rd and June 6th. We're working to fix it. So number one, that's a huge date range. That's over 30 days where they describe an issue related to sponsored display and sponsored brand views. And anecdotally, this often happens on very high traffic days. Like this was around Prime Day. It happens on Black Friday. A lot of communities I'm in, like around Black Friday, uh, Cyber Monday weekend, people are going and being like, what is wrong with my data? Like I'm spending a lot of money, but like my conversion rate is cut in half. Like where are my orders? And then a couple of days go by and all their orders show up. So like it happens on high volume days. Like, you know, what advice do you have for businesses trying to make correct actions? Like they're trying to like make the best action. Like they don't want a scenario where they're spending triple for like a third of the sales. But it, how do they know like if it's just like a data delay? Like, you know, what's, what's your take on this? Well, it's very frustrating. And uh, specifically with this one, the May 3rd to June 6th, I remember when that notification was first posted inside of Ad Console, it said June 1st to June 6th. Mm. So it was a week that turned into over a month. And it so, retroactive too. They went back in time. They did, yes. So that was very, I think that was very telling for me that, you know, okay, eh, maybe you have a really high volume day. It's around Prime Day, say, and you have just a lot of more data coming in. And okay, you know, their servers are overworked and they can't aggregate things fast enough. Okay, I get that. That's a, that, is a, that is a very real technical challenge. But to have this date range kind of go back in time was very interesting because, you know, that should have been already, I think we, when we received this message, like that was part of the month of May, most of which was already attributed by that point that like we were past the 30 day mark. Uh, we were in mid June, I think, when we were seeing this. So that should be like, that data should be cut and dried, done. Like attribution windows closed, all of the data should be there. So uh, I might speculate that they had something go wrong. Maybe a server caught fire in a warehouse somewhere or someone pushed a bad update and lost a whole region's worth of data. Mm. This does impact us obviously because we try to fetch that data, of course, and mm, sometimes it's just missing. Oftentimes, oftentimes Amazon will do this very interesting thing. Like if we go to request a report from them, sometimes the servers are down or Amazon's having a bad day and we get error messages. So we track those error messages and then we try things again a little bit later. Uh, but often what they'll do is it won't, the request won't fail. It will just come back empty. And that's really scary because according to us, everything seemed to work fine. And this happens, of course, all the time with, you know, low volume accounts with low data, like there's just isn't a report for certain days. It just happens. So uh, when that happens uh, incorrectly, 
when Amazon's having a bad day and not just a, you know, an actual low volume account, that makes us nervous. So uh, this is why we resync, we sync, resync, 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 bunch of days of data to make sure that we always have it. And I think, you know, something the advertiser should know is to be aware of these sorts of events. Anecdotally seem to be coming more frequent or at the very least, not less frequent. So I feel like this is a challenge that is here to stay and should be paid attention to because Amazon having a bad day could lead to Ad Badger having a bad day could very much lead to you having mm-hmm. a bad day. Yeah. Uh, also, my advice for brands would really be to not panic, uh, which is where like looking at multiple date ranges is so, so, so valuable where it's like, what is my data doing in the last week? It's like, okay, it looks like I fell off a cliff. Did we make any crazy changes in the last week? Like, did I, you know, increase, decrease bids by 50% or something like that? Did I add a ton of negatives? You want to investigate before you take action. So like that kind of investigation and then comparing it back to, you know, 30 days of data and it's like 60 days of data. Well, historically it should be doing this. You know, I like to check on some market trends. Like did search volume, like are, are just many people like on vacation this week, uh, and they're just not searching a lot, uh, you know, major markets, when things happen in like major markets, like New York, Texas, California, Florida, where the majority of people are, um, if there's like a natural disaster that can impact your sales when they, it might look like it. So like, I always advise people to number one, do an investigation to see if there's any market trends. Uh, also, uh, look at multiple time frames. See if there. See if you made any crazy changes that would really cause it. And then I often like to sort of wait and see. Like, will the data eventually pop in there? Um, for sure. And eventually does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's finish with um, maybe a, maybe an Amazon or non Amazon related question, depending on where you want to take it. AI has been in the news a lot. ChatGPT, yeah. Bard. Uh, I just posted something in our company Slack where. Um, instead of me doing this podcast, I can just have in my AI avatar uh, on my behalf doing it for me. What is most exciting, scary, thought-provoking, wherever you want to go? When I just say the AI boon of these models, what do you? What comes up for you? Well, this is this is very new. Uh, none of us were talking about AI at this capacity. You know, even last November, I feel like the, the the December was the winter of AI, and we had all these companies just one after another releasing their model. Check out this language model. Oh, check out that language model. We had a GPT, you know, uh, upgrade like just a few months after they released their initial one, mm-hmm. and you know, all the indicators point to we're going to get another one, and it's just mm-hmm. going to keep getting better. I mean, I think you know, like most like most new technologies, I think the scary thing is. Where the hell did this come from? How did this happen so fast? Why, why is it baked into everything I use now? Uh, and just the speed at which the rollouts are happening. Uh, that can be a little scary. Uh, certainly is to me, at least sometimes. But I don't think it should be something to be feared. Like this is, this is not rise of the machines, Skynet level AI. Like these are things that are helping you write emails or check your grammar or, you know, maybe optimize a bit one day. Mm-hmm. And like everything else, it's a tool. It's a tool. And it does require human intervention to both create, maintain, train, and, you know, continue to evolve. So uh, I don't know if I want to speak to uh, which sectors might be impacted or replaced one day potentially by this. 
Uh, I think right now we're living in a very interesting time that we're not so sure where it's going to go. We incorporated a bit of AI into our development process a few months back in the form of GitHub Copilot. I think almost every engineer out there uses something like this uh, in their daily workflow. And it doesn't, well, it does write code. Uh, but it doesn't it doesn't do the job of an engineer. It streamlines the process, more of the mundane processes that engineers will have to go through, you know, every single day. So ultimately, it leads to an efficiency boost, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it will hallucinate and you know send us on a bit of a wild goose chase, but you know that's that's just part of the learning curve. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm noticing a rise already of trash content. Uh, what I mean by that is yeah. uh, I'll get emails from people and I'm just like, this reads like a robot wrote it and it sounds really bad. And I'm just like, sheesh. It, like you could just tell it's like too formal. It doesn't sound like them. And I'm just like, I, you know, it's, it's, it sounds like that. I'm seeing like the rise of like trash social media posts, which are just like mm-hmm. weird sounding. So I think like, in the, like the Amazon space and like the digital marketing space, it's like anytime, you know, this was really popular with like article spinners where you'd write a blog post and you punch it in some tool and they've, you've had this for 10 years, you would put it in some tool and it would try to give you 50 other blog posts, like where they swapped out words. Um, so instead of like angry, it would say mad. And like, it would just like give you these spun articles, which you were then supposed to like blast all over the internet. And for a while, like before Google SEO caught on, like people would do that all day long, um, you know, these blog farms, uh, and then eventually Google caught on. So I think I'm seeing, I think I'm seeing a lot of like uh, low effort implementations of this where like, yes, you can do it, but like, should you? Um, and like, is it good? So I think like the cream will still rise to the top um, because you're absolutely right. Like you can go to, ChatGPT and say like write me a, you know a bit algorithm and it's like it'll give you one but like so like I think what's interesting about it is like no one's tra- no one's trained it to like make bit algorithms uh, and I think like they've trained it to like act like it can yeah. and I think that's like a really interesting thing where it's like no one's trained it to write like LinkedIn posts or like to write complicated emails but it like it they the the whole goal of it is to make it seem like it can and i think that's a really interesting thing where it's just like the i think there's just like a lot of content i'm seeing like just a lot of content where i'm just like oh my gosh that sounds so bad um yeah Yeah, i've seen seen it in a lot of spaces yeah not not even just articles i'm seeing videos now uh you know of course social media it's everywhere and yeah i I think AI, ai girlfriends (laughs) <laughs> of course, <laughs> you know, I, I think, I think, you, I think you're right though. The cream will still rise to the top. There will just be more garbage underneath. Right. So Nick, we've ran the gamut. We talked about optimizing a, a bajillion bids a day and what that's like. Uh, we've given people hopefully some insight into what to do with their non-order keywords, which is a major part of any advertising account. Um, so think about those low data orders, uh, talked about conversion delays and sort of how to maybe improve our thinking about it. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show and, uh, we'll see you in a couple months. Thank you for having me.
Everyone else, I'll see you here next week on the PPC Den Podcast. Hey there. Thanks for making it to the end of the show. As you can see on my screen, this is AdBadger's software tool that we use to optimize Amazon PPC campaigns that you can go and check out at the link in the description. Uh, we would love to personally show you around, uh, answer questions, hear your feedback. Uh, we're really proud of the tool that we built over the last few years. Uh, we've been working on it since 2017, and I do believe that it gets better quarter after quarter, month over month. We're constantly adding and upgrading and improving it. Um, so you can head over to the link in the description, sign up for a demo of our tool, and you can get all kinds of things like nightly advanced bid optimizations, a algorithm that I've worked on personally for years that I'm really proud of. So go ahead, check it out. Badger's bite, but we don't. And I'll see you inside the Badger Den.